Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Chronicles 7 and 14 If my people which are called by my name Shall humble themselves and pray Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then will I hear from heaven And will forgive their sin And will heal their land What a promise What a promise What a promise That doesn't just need to be underlined In our favorite Bible But it ought to be underlined in our heart If my people which are called by my name Will humble themselves and pray Seek my face Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's been said countless times. I'll add one more to the number. He wasn't talking to sinners. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Amen. Let's pray over the word tonight. God, I love you. Thank you for the privilege that you've given me to stand before this wonderful congregation again tonight. I'm just humbly, humbly, humbly asking you to let your presence, your holy anointing, your divine spirit, let it touch my mind and my heart today, God. I pray for everyone that is in this building and anyone who may hear this message, God, that it will be alive and it will be be fruitful, Lord, in their soul and their spirit. Not because I'm saying it tonight, God, but because your word, it is your word. You're declaring it in our presence in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and you can be seated. I want you to join me in the book of Daniel, in the book of Daniel chapter number six, the book of Daniel chapter number six. I want to talk about several of you tonight, just going to warn you, amen, I stopped some outside church and warned them, I'm going to preach about you tonight. I may not call you by name, but I'm going to preach about you. So to those of you who I didn't have the opportunity to get to, I'm going to talk about you. Amen. I'm going to talk about you. The Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 6, I'm going to read a few more verses than I normally do, but let's just do it for the sake of getting the setting in our mind. Daniel 6 and 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom. Darius was the king. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And now if you'll just watch this layer of leadership, he said, and over these, over these 120 princes, three presidents, of whom Daniel was first that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred, another layer, this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes 
because of an excellent spirit, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So we've got the king, we've got three men, but of those three men, one's chosen, and over those three men is 120 princes, and then the people. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, when you've got a committee of people that can't find fault in you, you got your game going. Amen. you got a whole team of people. you got 120 princes and, 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 and uh, two other presidents, and they can't find one single flaw to bring to the table. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute. Listen to how wonderful and Official and godly this sounds. To make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into a den, into the den of lions. And now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Sounded good to him. For the next 30 days, my name will be the only name praised. I mean, he's thinking, I've got a great group of people behind me here. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber, already open. He didn't walk in and open them. They were already open. Toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime, as he did before the signature, as he did before the meeting. Amen. And so tonight, my subject simply is this, steadfast. So I'm going to talk about you. If you're steadfast, I'm talking about you. With our focus on prayer this year, I've tried to be intentional about teaching on the subject, and it would be, of course, very difficult to speak very often on the subject of prayer and not talk about Daniel. And so our text, and I've sort of methodically gone through our text a little more slowly than just reading straight through it, but our text speaks of a plot to to effectively shake the prayer life of this great man. Now, I think it's incredible, and I was slow in reading for, for in, uh, an intentional or on purpose because I think it's important to understand that Daniel didn't just have a good report in the eyes of God, but Daniel had a good report in the eyes of man. And uh, I, think that is in, I think that is also important for us today. And Paul even taught that in the New Testament that we should have a good report within and without, 
And so, you know, people that worship with us can have one opinion of us, but people that have to deal with the other side of us can have a different opinion of us. And uh, we need a good report within and a good report without. And so um, here is this great man who had a wonderful reputation in the eyes of God, but he was also great in the eyes of the king. And so that's why he was promoted to be the highest of the three presidents that were put in place. So if we have a man who is without fault and without error and someone has to conspire against him in order to conjure up something to paint him in a corner, I think it's a life worth looking at. Amen. Here's a man who just remained steadfast. Against all odds, he just understood the value of prayer and he remained committed to that, committed to that. And I believe that prayer is certainly the key and prayer is not just something to do in a crisis. It's certainly somewhere to turn in a crisis, but it's not something that we just turn to in a crisis. But prayer is the key because you always need prayer. We and I, you and I, we always need prayer in our lives. We have to establish that. And that just needs to be the thing that we turn to. That, that's where we go. It's something that's as natural as taking the next breath. My mother was certainly a big believer in prayer. And uh, not to sound conflicting, but my mother was also a big believer in Neosporin. And so if you had anything wrong with you less than, uh, that would require anything less than bypass surgery, she was going to ask if you had Neosporin. And it must have worked because I'm 57 years old and, and I know at least two tubes where they are in our house right now. She's going to eventually get to it and ask you, have you, have you put Neosporin on it? And it was a little cute thing she used to say. She said, now if you'll put this on there, that'll be healed and haired over by morning. <laughs> and that became a joke among our family. She, was, she just believed in Neosporin and... and uh, you may be a believer in that as well. But I'm thankful for prayer. I, I really am thankful for prayer. I'm thankful for prayer efforts. I appreciate the, the prayer effort that our ladies have and uh, other, other efforts of prayer where there's an organized effort. And, uh, of course, on July the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd will be our quarterly prayer and fasting coming up for our church so I'll just throw a plug in for that real quick right here I appreciate concerted efforts of prayer and organized efforts of prayer and, and I, I appreciate the fact that sometimes even if, if we are where we can't come together collectively or corporately I'm thankful for the power of knowing that we're not alone and that somewhere else someone is praying with us at maybe that self same hour so this evening I want to talk about where we turn in times of trouble and what it means to be steadfast in an unstable world. The writer of Hebrews in, in chapter 12 and verse 27, and I'll just read this, it's not on the screen, but it says, And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Pardon the, pardon the reference, but Jerry Lee Lewis said there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And that is certainly indicative of the world that we live in. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. 
And so there's some shaking sometimes so that what can remain is that that is steadfast. you got to brush off that. You have to rid yourself of that that's not in for the long haul, that's not really serious. And so when I use the word steadfast, I don't want to like create some shadow here in a pretentious manner because I'm not talking about someone that's steadfast equals someone that's perfect or someone that is steadfast equals someone that is without error. Someone that is steadfast is a person that is has the absence of trials and tribulations from their life or even someone that's steadfast would be a person that had no visible weaknesses in their life. Nothing could be further from the truth. But what I'm talking about when I say steadfast this evening is someone who is consistent in their character. They are what they are. You could wake them out of a dead sleep at 3 a.m. in the morning and you're going to find the same person that you met Sunday morning in the aisle. That's just who they are. That is just who they are. They're persistent through difficult times. They are level. They're balanced. They're not up and down. They're not all over the map, but they're just consistent in who they are. They stand for what's right. And you know what? They didn't just start doing that yesterday. They've been doing that for years and years and years and years. I get amused sometimes when you're on certain stretches of highway. We've all had this experience where somebody just blows past you and leaves you with the impression you almost stop and get out. They leave you with the impression you're sitting dead still on the road. And you get down the road just a few more miles and you're sitting together at a red light. That slow, that steady, it just sometimes it just pays off and it pays dividends that cannot be measured in other ways. And some may think, well, you know, my name has never been in lights and I've never done this, I've never done that. I've never had an honorable mission here, mention here or there, but I'll tell you what, if you're still around after all of these years, that counts for far more than we could ever measure out or ever weigh because someone who didn't even speak about this to you and someone who may never in your lifetime ever mention it has been moved and impacted by the fact that you have just been steadfast. You have just been who you are. They were not shocked to see you out in public in another way. They weren't shocked to hear words come flying out of your mouth or they, they were not shocked by any antics or business dealings because they just realized that the person that I met many, many years ago, they're just still what they are today. They are just steadfast. Amen. In this world of instability and and uh, I think we can all agree you don't have to look very far around you to realize the condition of the world that we live in but in the midst of this troublesome time, in the midst of this world, I'm thankful for the fact that there is hope. I'm really thankful that there's hope. I thank God for the word of God. Amen. I'm not trying to sound trite, but I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm thankful for the Bible. As a child, we learned the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The word of God. I didn't understand its impact when I first learned to recite that song. I didn't understand. I couldn't fully comprehend what that word would come to mean to me and how much it would mean to me. But I can tell you that I'm thankful I committed those small, simple lyric to my heart. But more than that, I'm glad I understand today much, much more about the power of the word of God. The word of God and its characters doesn't just reveal the high times but it reveals also the pain and the ugliness of this world. But it didn't just stop there. 
But the word of God goes on to give us hope. And I believe that in every situation that the word of the Lord will shine a light of hope in our lives. Now there are many examples in the word of God of men and women alike who have been steadfast. Among those, of course, is the character at the center of our study tonight, and that is a man by the name of Daniel. We can look at his life and learn that we too can survive trying seasons. We too can stand alone. If that's what it means, we can stand alone. Daniel was an Israelite from Judah. And in our text, we can see that Daniel and, and other Israelites were taken from Judah to Babylon. They were taken into captivity. It was under the administration of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, there would be a change in leadership, and that would be Darius, and I mentioned that a moment ago. But, but when it begins in our text, uh, we, we find that Daniel is in, uh, we find that Daniel is taken captive with, along with many other Israelites to Babylon. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had taken over Judah and he had taken, we are familiar with the fact that he took many articles out of the, the temple of the house of God. And, but he didn't just take artifacts. He didn't just take vessels. He also took people. He took Israelites captive. And then the king ordered that the Israelites be trained, be trained in their language and he required that they be trained in the literature, the language in the literature of the, of the Babylonians. And so that after three years of service and training, or teaching and training, they could enter into the service of the king. And so they weren't just held captives in a jail cell, so to speak, but they were being schooled in the world or in the ways of the Babylonians. And it was at this point in Daniel's life that his whole world has been turned upside down. He's taken from everything that was familiar to him, everything that he knew, and put in a situation that would rock anybody's world. It would be like somebody sweeping into this building tonight, loading us on a bus, taking us to an airport, flying us into a foreign country, and then putting us in the morning, or a couple of days from now, putting us in some foreign school to learn their language and their culture and their ways. And you're going to be here three years. And when you come out, you're going to serve the president or you're going to serve the king of this country. This is exactly what happened to Daniel. And so everything that he was familiar with, everything that was common in an instant had just been plucked away from him. <laughs> your family, your house, your, your church. Daniel was stripped of everything right down to his own name. His name was changed. And so we get this glimpse of Daniel's life. And, and yet, despite the circumstances of, that's going on all around him, he decides that I will not defile myself with the king's food or with the king's drink. I will not, I'm just going to remain who I am, even though I am nowhere near where I used to be just a couple of days ago, people are calling me by some foreign name. That's not my given name. They're trying to teach me another language that's not my own, teaching me a cu another culture that's not my own. And so Daniel stood. And it's very interesting, and I'm not going to try to belabor every little point, even though it's tempting, but he told, he told the officials, he said, I'll tell you what, you, you give us vegetables and water to drink for 10 days. And he said, at the end of 10 days, we're going to be stronger and we're going to be healthier. We're going to be in better shape physically, mentally, and emotionally than the men who are eating the royal menu of the king, of that's drinking of the king's wine and eating the royal food. 
And it was all said and done after those 10 days were over. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, according to the word of God, were better, were healthier than the men who were eating the king's food. And so Daniel was not just trying to be cantankerous for the sake of being cantankerous, but he was a man that was dedicated to the Lord and he understood the value of being steadfast in all circumstances. And so he, no one, no one could understand this man, Daniel. As a result of that, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had distinguished themselves before the king. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, was taking note of these men. He found no one in the whole kingdom that could compare to these four men. In every matter of wisdom, in every matter of understanding, the king found them to be just a notch above. Daniel was also given the ability to interpret dreams. And, and as a result of interpreting the king's dreams in chapter two, he saved his own life and he also saved the lives of other people in Babylon. I say that because the king could not find anybody to interpret his dreams and had he not been able to find somebody to interpret his dreams, he was going to have all the wise men of Babylon killed. And so when Daniel stepped up and interpreted the dream, he didn't just save his own life, but he saved the lives of all the other wise men that were serving under the king. So God had given Daniel this ability to interpret dreams and as a result, he was now placed in this high position in Babylon and he was put in charge of all the wise men. He helped Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego even find positions and, and they were elevated in Babylon because of the things that were going on in their lives. And so as we look at chapter six, we see that Daniel is still one of the leaders in the kingdom, even though there's been a change of kings. Nebuchadnezzar's off the scene. Now Darius is the king, but Daniel is still in place. But you see, always when there's a change in the kingdom, there's a reach for authority. And so here's a, here's a reach for authority, and they think, you know, Daniel doesn't have nearly the relationship with Darius that he had with Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of filling in some of the blanks right here. And they're saying, this, the, here, let's seize the moment. This is a great time to have a meeting. This is a great time to conjure up something because we're going to bring this to the, we're going to bring this to Darius, and and uh, and so Darius of the Medes and Persians is taken over, and so Daniel uh, is working him here in a place of position and authority, and uh, here's uh, uh, along the way, it's very obvious that he has upset a little bit of the leaders somewhere along the way, because he keeps he keeps getting praise. It's Daniel's name that's in the front page, you know. It's Daniel's name, Daniel this, Daniel that. And all of a sudden, somebody says, we've got to find a way to quieten the voice and the influence of Daniel. And so verse 4 that I read a moment ago said that nobody could find any fault. There was nothing that they could find to just throw on the table and say, this is what we find wrong. What a tremendous testimony. You know, I think it's a good time to say tonight that people are watching. And we must be very, very careful. Amen. Somebody's watching. I promise you that. They're, they're watching. And uh, so what a great testimony that Daniel has that no one could find fault. People that were looking for fault couldn't find fault in him. On Father's Day, just a couple of weeks ago, my family and I went out to eat. And uh, we were standing in line leaving the restaurant. And uh, it was very, very crowded right there in that little area. And... Uh, I, I saw this man, and I, and I turned around and diverted my attention to something else, but I saw a man sitting on a bench, 
And then in a few moments, I heard him say to my wife and to, to my daughter-in-law, he asked them, he said, where do you go to church? And uh, I, heard, I heard them uh, answering him. And then I heard this man comment, not, not yelling by any stretch of the imagination, but he commented loud enough that anybody that was in that room or in that area could have heard him say, he said, I just want to let you know I appreciate how you were dressed. He said, you all look like you just came from church. And I appreciate that. Amen. He went on to say a few other things that I'll just leave alone. But, but um, people are watching. People are watching. And so we got to be careful what we're doing and, and, and um, careful in how we're conducting ourselves. In chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, they're trying to find something they, some way they could get Daniel to break the law. And um, they could just, the only thing they could find is we got to get in between Daniel and his God. This is the only little bit of dirt we're going to be able to find. And so he shows this characteristics of this steadfastness. These men knew about his prayer life. They knew something about his relationship with God. And so I, I believe that Daniel reveals, he kind of peels back one layer, and he reveals to us that, that one of the greatest characteristics of a steadfast life is the foundation upon which we've built all of our life. It really matters about the foundation. Our foundation has to be God because God goes with us no matter where we are. I don't have to be in church to have God with me. You don't have to be in church to have God with you. And so Daniel's foundation had been, had been God all along the way. And so now he is away from his homeland. He's away from different rules and regulations and different languages, but the foundation is the same. He took his God with him. He couldn't go to the house of God, but he did open his windows toward the temple, and that's how he prayed. I think there's so many things that could be said about that, but I will tell you tonight that too many times we are guilty of trying to rely on our own wisdom, and if I may be as bold to say that we're trying to rely upon our own experience. I thank God for experience, but experience doesn't take the place of prayer. I may have been this way before. I may have been down the road a few times, around the block a couple of times, but experience will never take the place of prayer. Amen. And so I want to rely on God. And so foundation is key, not only to an individual life, but but it is key to family and job and ministry, and the list goes on and on and on. Jesus has to be the foundation, the core of what we are doing Matthew 7 teaches us the importance of building on the rock and not on the sand. In verses 6 and 7, we see that the leaders went to the king and they issued a decree that no one could praise any other name for the next 30 days outside of the name of King Darius. And if they were, they were if they were caught doing that, they would be thrown into the lion's den. And so now what's Daniel to do? Because a law has been issued. In verse number 10, the Bible says that Daniel responds by going to his room and just kneeling in prayer. I don't think Daniel had a sandwich sign on. I don't think he was holding up big banners and walking up and down the sidewalk. But Daniel, at the appointed time of prayer, just went right back to a window that was already open according to scripture, amen, and he knelt where he had already been kneeling and he just did what he always did. In this single act, Daniel shows us 
that, that this, another element of living for the Lord is living by the word of God. I mean, what does the Bible have to say about that? What does the word of God? And so why else would Daniel not, why would he not stop praying since a decree had been issued? I think it's because he understood the word of God. I mean, he understood the word of God that said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. And so if I kneel and pray and I utter the name of King Darius, even though the Lord would understand, he understood the word of God. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He wasn't just talking about word in his brain that he could recite, but he was talking about word in his heart. They said, no matter what, I will have no other gods before you, and so I'm going to keep that pure. And if he had prayed to Darius, amen, then Darius would have been in the place of God. He also knew passages of scripture like Psalms verse one, chapter one and verse one that said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Amen. Daniel understood the value of having the word of God hidden in his heart. He knew, I cannot disobey the word of God. It was be better to obey God than man. Amen. So I got to stand upon the word of God. In the midst of the worst of circumstances, the word of God, I believe, can calm a heart that is shaken. We have found peace, and I need you to help me here. We have found peace in the word of God. Amen. I'm not just talking about the preached word of God or the taught word of God, but we have picked up our own Bible in our own home, held it in our own hand, read it with our own eyes, the word of the Lord that brought peace to our heart. Amen. The word of God. We may sometimes find ourselves at a place in life, and often we do, where we just don't know what to do. But we find favor and comfort in the word of the Lord. Amen, not to sound or even appear to be silly, but I'm going to tell you that David said, Thy word, thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Amen, I'm going to use your word. I need your word, God, to illuminate. I, I've got decisions to make. I've got, I've got to turn left or right. I've stand at the crossroads, Lord, and I need you to help me. Amen, prayer. Prayer is such an important key to living a steadfast life. In the presence of all this strife, in the presence of everything around him that was so unorthodox, Daniel realized, I've got to, call, I've got to talk, talk to the Lord. Amen, by example, he depended on God through a seemingly impossible situation. Daniel chapter six and verse number 10 tells us that, that he learned the decree had been published. And when he learned of that decree being published, he went to his room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Amen, three times a day, just like he did the day before and the day before and the day before and the day before. Can I tell you, he was praying that way just like he did before he was swept into Babylonian captivity. Amen, just before anything had ever changed, Daniel, his life never changed I'm going to do what I was doing yesterday and what I did yesterday was what I was doing last month and that's what I was doing last year and that's what I was doing five years ago and ten years ago and that my friend is what develops amen a foundation that you can build a church on that's what develops a foundation that you can put amen a, a, a spirit of peace and a family on when there is someone that is steadfast in their walk with God Amen. Because Daniel prayed, he was given strength to face his circumstances head on. In verse number 16, the Bible says, 
that indeed, according to the, the decree that was signed, that Daniel was in fact thrown into the lion's den. But someone once said Daniel would have rather spent the night with the lions than to spend one day without prayer. Amen. So in Philippians 4 and 6 and 7, not being dangerous and radical and out on a limb, not being out on our own, but Paul says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And here it comes. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I mentioned a moment ago about Daniel's, uh, Daniel's relationship with Nebuchadnezzar, but I believe that that obviously bled over to Darius because I believe that Daniel had more peace in his heart the night he spent with the lions than the king did. Daylight, the king found himself. Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> because Darius had confidence. And not just Daniel, but he had confidence in the God of Daniel. Amen. Do we really understand? I'm not trying to insult anybody tonight, but do we really understand the magnitude of that moment? That here is a man who did not even believe in Jehovah God, but he had more faith in God, Daniel's God, than anybody around there. Amen. He spent the night wallowing and tossing. Amen. Daniel was a man committed to prayer. And prayer is so crucial to a steadfast life. And I think because of Daniel's obedience, it opened the door for a great miracle. In verse 22, we read this passage. It says, my God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths for they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. God stepped in, and it's not a Sunday school story, friend. This is not just a little cute story for vacation Bible school. But I want to tell you that a man of God spent the night with the lions, and God shut their mouth. And he said, I'm okay. Because God has walked with me tonight. God has stepped in this place. And so when we are doing what God wants us to do, even when the situation looks hopeless, can I tell you that a miracle can be right around the corner? Amen. I don't mean this for just some pet rally atmosphere. I mean this as, as if I can just lay this word down as solid and as firm as possible. Amen. When, when the situation looks hopeless, before you stop praying, realize that your miracle, your answer could be just right around the corner. And so I say keep doing what God is telling you to do, although the stress in your life is about to take you under. Why? Because the answer could be just right around the next corner. Amen. So, so important as it is to continue to walk 
And I, I know I, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that I've shared this at least one time, perhaps more times. But many years ago, before uh, we were even having a camp meeting in the new tabernacle, so that's been a number of years ago, we were in the gym and uh, Brother Treadway from uh, Beaumont, Texas, Brother L.C. Uh, Treadway, Brother Buck Treadway was our day Bible teacher. And he began to share a story that happened. And his father was a pastor as well. He grew up in his, uh, obviously in a pastor's home. And, and he remembered one Saturday that a Sunday school teacher and a Sunday school teacher whose husband did not serve the Lord had really just fought her for years about going to church and living for God and, and always tried to make up some reason for them to be out of church or her to be out of church on Sunday. And, and so one Saturday afternoon, she was just to her wits end. She gathered up all of her Sunday school material and all of her books and, and everything, and she brought it over to his dad's home. And he, was, he said, I was just a young man. And, and uh, as being like children can be sometimes, he said, I sat real on the other side of the wall. He said, I wanted to hear this conversation. And so he said that this lady just poured her heart out. I've done all I can do. I've just gone as much as I can go. And she just laid out her truth, and it was the truth. And he said, I was wondering how my dad was going to handle this. And he said, I heard my dad say, sis, would you just teach that class one more time? Some of you may have been there that day. because I believe that was the name of the message, one more time. One more time. Would you just go one more time? And somewhat reluctantly, she gathered all of her Sunday school material back and went home. And when they got up the next day, her husband asked her what he should wear to go with her to church. I'm not just trying to tell a cutesy story. But you see that steadfastness that he saw. This is New Testament teaching as well. Amen. That a, that a, that a, a wife can affect the, 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 the life of an unsaved husband. It's scripture, and I, I believe that works both ways, but I believe that steadfast life, just living the life before them, not, not all about the chatter, not all about the talking, not all about the nagging, not all about the yanging, but just steadfast. And that man went to church with her and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and their family was in church, and, and that's how they left this world. And you just wonder sometimes, I wonder when I hear stories like that from trusted sources, I wonder on those times when you just felt like enough. And let's not act like we hadn't all been there. <laughs> enough. But just somewhere we got our bootstraps and pulled ourselves back up and said, you know what, one more time. We have no idea what happened in the spiritual realm when we just when we just stepped one more time. I want to just be honest with you. I, I, and I'm not talking about anything current, but I'm just talking about that there have been times that in all of our lives it would have been easier to walk away than it would have been to press on. There have been times, situations, circumstances, and many lives that are represented right here tonight that if you had walked away, someone would have said, well, I understand. I know I'm not, I won't get invited to preach this at general conference. I get it. 
but I'm just being honest. I'm not saying people would have agreed with you, but inside they could have just said, you know, man, I don't know know how they made it this far. (laughs) And so we live in the in the midst sometimes of hurting relationships. But don't walk away now. Don't give up now. Don't stop praying now. We live in the midst of a lot of disappointment sometimes. I will say tonight that we need to follow God when it's right. Even when other people are mocking and say, I don't, it don't make sense. It but we need to just walk with God because you see the Lord, we don't know what's just around the, the next bend in the road. So, Daniel knows this and we can know it too. And so what amazing results come from the end of a steadfast life because other people are, are, are impacted. You say, well, I've never been a world traveler. I've never been an evangelist, never been a missionary. I've never been a pastor. Well, if you've been steadfast, let me tell you something. You've impacted more people than you may ever know. As a matter of fact, if I could just be as bold to say this, you have no idea what went through the minds of your neighbors this afternoon when they saw you back out of your driveway and said, well, there they go again. They may not have been standing out there to wave, brush tears out of their eyes, and they may not be in your driveway to greet you when you get home, but you have no idea what happened in their mind when they saw that car back out and they knew where you were going. They knew where you were going. I want you to stand with me and our musicians can just stay if you'd like. The book of Daniel chapter 6 and verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. And he said, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Amen. (laughs) For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. The king said, I just want something to be written down for all the ages to read. And you know what? We're still reading it. (laughs) Thank you, Darius. Thank you, Darius. We're still reading it tonight from the mouth of a heathen. Amen. From the heart of a heathen, he said, write it down and let it be read and known that Daniel's God who is steadfast. Everybody ought to know. Amen. Everybody ought to know. And so Daniel's life encouraged his own people. Daniel's, Daniel's life encouraged those that were captive. Amen. Being steadfast doesn't mean we won't face tough times or circumstances. It certainly don't mean that we won't have moments and opportunities of uncertainty and weakness. But I'm going to tell you what Daniel's life really portrays in the end. It shows us ultimately what happens when we just keep walking. You just keep walking. Everybody's looking for the keys to success. True. Somebody lives to be 97 years old. People say, what's the key? (laughs) Just keep breathing. That's the key. (laughs) That's it. There's no secret to this. There's no... 
Someone asked, well, how did you stay married 40 years? Well, we just wouldn't leave. <laughs> Days you wanted to. Amen. I'm not, and I speak of, with great deference to, I know, broken families here tonight. I'm speaking of not with any disrespect to that. Sometimes you didn't have a vote in that. I get that. Everybody all right? See, the devil found a little crack there. He could have planted a seed by Sunday. It could have been a tree to grow, hang a swing in. But you just stand. So there's no secret. So we can stop Sister Yavne and ask her tonight on the way out, well, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? I told you I was going to preach about you. How'd you do it? I just kept going. I just kept going. Good times, bad times. <laughs> Some said they're not going to make the pond so muddy. I'm not going to swim in it. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to be there. I'm just going to throw my, I've just cashed it all in. I've come too far to look back. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the privilege to declare your word. It's not my idea, my thoughts, Lord, not at all. But I'm asking you today that your word would just be that lamp and that light and help to illuminate the darkness around us. And when we are lost in the life that we're living and the journey that we're making, or at least this juncture of the journey seems so laden with fog, I'm asking you tonight, God, to let those lower lights be burning. God, that I might be able to sin, that I might be able to see my way, Lord, across the way, that I might be able to find my way through you. Help me to just remain steadfast in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.